Hello and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. This week we are going to be reviewing Bitoku and Planet B. And then in the discussion topic, we are actually going to be answering a listener question. So we got an email from Matt that asked, what else are we into besides board games? Like what other hobbies do we enjoy outside of the board gaming industry? So we're just going to kind of chat about some of our hobbies that are outside of board games. I, I also do want to bring up something else because we did get an email from um, Lucho who asked about finding us on Board Game Geek, our podcast on Board Game Geek, because the Golden Geek Awards is happening right now. And in the process of setting up this podcast and like getting it out and putting it on the different you know platforms and everything like that, it never once occurred to me. To put it on Board Game Geek. No. And I, I just, like, for whatever reason, it just didn't cross my mind. So, anyway, uh, the listener, you know, sent us an email and said, hey, I wanted to recommend your, you know, nominate your show, but you're not on there. Well, guess what? We're on there now. Situation's fixed. We're on there. <laughs> <laughs> so, we are officially on Board Game Geek. We are our official podcast on Board Game Geek. One of 500 some yeah, there's, odd. there's quite a bit here. There's a lot. There's you were on page two. If you guys were curious, oh, good thing we started with a B name. That helps. That, pretty much, yeah, yeah. It's so alphabetized. <laughs> it it is, and it's not by it's not by the. It's by B. It's by board game shenanigans. So, anywho, we're on there. If you guys want to hop on there, like it, do your thing, subscribe. I don't know. There's like, I don't know what else you can do. Probably subscribe, like fan it whatever we're on there i'm not saying you know vote for us for you know the golden geek awards but you know what if you vote for us whatever no big deal we'll take a couple votes no big deal you know you can become a fan this this just goes to show how much we really know what we're doing (laughs) (laughs) i just became a fan of the show (laughs) we have a fan now it's me it's funny yeah i don't even think i became a fan i think i was just (laughs) like oh they sent me because you have to like request to become a to be on here so I send a request or whatever, and it, it took him a few days to to do it. But I was like, oh, sweet. Like, it came active. That I saw it today. It became active. And I was like, oh, sweet. Cool. And then it didn't even occur to me to, I'm going to, hold on. I'm going to become a fan. Boom. <laughs> Two Ooh, fans baby. already. Woohoo. They, they are the hosts of the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So anyway, if you guys want, hop on there, you know, become a fan. I don't know if it helps. It probably does, you know. So, anywho, how about we get into some board games? Let's talk about some Butoku. All right. So, Butoku is designed by Jermaine Millen. Its art is by Edu Falls, and it's published by Devere. Butoku is a worker placement, hand management game with some set collection and contract fulfillment. It's a little, little bit of everything there. So, you're a spirit competing over four rounds to get the most virtue points at the end of the game. There are three actions you can do on your turn. The first one is to play a card in, into one of the three spots on your player board. The card ability abilities are pretty basic. Some get you a resource. Some allow you to do an action on the board, like build a building, which will give you bonuses if your opponents use them. You can move along the path of wisdom to unlock actions and earn end game points, in-game points as well. You can collect crystals that give you a resource or points throughout the game. Or you can collect these dragonfly and gate tiles that also give you bonuses. Uh, when you play a card, it unlocks that worker from your card spot. As long as you have a worker unlocked, you can then 
take that worker and place it on the board into the forest section. Your workers are dice, although it is not a dice worker placement game because you never roll the dice. So I don't consider it a dice worker placement. It, the pips just indicate their value. When you take a forest action, you put your worker out on any one of the forest regions that have at least one spot available as long as your worker has an equal or higher value of the other dice that are there. You get to do that spot's ability, and then you can also activate one of the four possible buildings that are in the region. You know, and then whoever owns the building gets a little bonus if you activate their building. The forest actions each have unique actions that are similar to the actions on your card, but way better depending on the value of your die. The higher the value, the more you'll get out of it. Then the third action you can do is move your die from the forest across the river. If you do this, you you have to reduce the value of that die by one point unless the die is a six, and then in that case, you turn it into a three. Then you get to gain one of the three benefits of that space. Each benefit is only available to the first person who gets there. Once you move your worker from the forest across the river, the forest spot that you just left is now open to other players. So throughout the game, you'll be collecting vision cards and rocks for endgame scoring. The vision cards are essentially contract fulfillment. And then the rocks will let you score symbols you've collected throughout the game. Um, and you can add guardians to the rocks you've placed. And those act as multipliers. So what makes this game so fun, besides the gorgeous production and artwork, is that it's got my favorite thing, which is tension. So on your turn, it's going to keep going around until everyone is passed. And the, you have to play a card first in, in order to unlock your worker. So you want to play, you have to, everyone kind of plays a card, whatever, no big deal. But then at that point, it's like, okay, do you want to play another card to unlock another worker? Or do you want to get that dice out there and st- take that action? Now, the actions are not limited, especially if you have a six, you, you can go anywhere, you know, and, and the, they're not, there's like four spots in each one. So they're not limited at all. However, like what the benefit you get out of them, like there's some like the resources and the movement ones you can do unlimited amount, but some of them like the pieces that are on the boards, the tiles, the crystals, and the dragonfly tiles, those get used up. So you want to get out there and get those tiles first. You know, the buildings, they'll, they'll be used up and they'll be gone for that round. and They won't replace until the, the next round. But then also, like, you want to be the first to get those cross the river to get the card that you want because there's only the cards that are out there are the only ones that are available. So you might want to be the first one to get there. So there's all this tension about do you play a card to unlock a worker? Do you put a worker out so then you can move it across the river? But if nobody else is in that spot, you don't have to worry about that. So then you can do this other action. But do you not want to do this action so that nobody steals that crystal you really want? Or do you want to do this other action so that nobody, you know, to get the building you really want? There's just so many things that you want to do. And you and it, the spots aren't limited like in a worker placement game. But the available things you can do within that spot decreases over time. So... You know, you've just got so many choices about what you want to do and like planning that out to get what you want and then kind of saving the rest of it to, to that you think is going to be available to the end. But but those spots fill up, but you want to move across the river, but, but, but you played a six so now you've blocked everybody else from going to there because they don't have a six. So there's just a lot of like options and and um, choices you have through the game. And, and I like all that tension that comes with it. Now, Bob, I know you haven't played it, but what have you heard about the game? The biggest thing that I heard and the reason why I was kind of like turned away from it, honestly, I hear the rule book is awful. Yeah. Truly awful. I was I was taught the game, so that helped. 
Um, and I, but I was looking through it just to do this review to make sure I get my terminology correct. And it, I, I was like scrolling up and down, back and forth. It didn't go sequentially in a way that made sense. Yeah, I heard it was broken up in some some really weird kind of ways. I also heard that it's not necessarily super intuitive how things yes. like flow. Even like looking at the board, because I was like I was present when you guys were playing this. Just even looking at the board, it looks very very busy. It's, it looks it's, beautiful, it's but it looks busy. busy. It's got gorgeous artwork, and there's tons of little sections and little pieces everywhere. And then on top of that, that the board has this really busy background. I think it would have been just as beautiful if they would have just taken the background off and just had like grass or something really simple. But so it's super busy. It's very overwhelming to look at, but it didn't feel overwhelming or difficult to learn because I had somebody teach it to me. I think. I think you're absolutely correct. The way the rule book is laid out, it doesn't it doesn't lay it out in the order that you're going to play it. it. It and it doesn't have like this really nice like section of what all the the in. It, it's really easy to figure out when you're playing what the iconography means, but it's not necessarily laid out in the book in the rule book. You know, it's it's unfortunate that a game like this I'm turned off from playing because of how awful I hear the rule book is. And the thing and the part of it is I know if like generally speaking, if I'm gonna play a game and I wanna like truly review it, we're gonna play it. I like to play the game more than one time. That every right. now and again you come across a game you play and you play it once and you're like, Okay, like I feel good about giving a review because I feel like I feel like I know what I wanna say about this game and I don't feel like my opinion's gonna change. Sometimes you play a game and you're like, Okay, I really want to get a few more plays so I can kind of just like figure out where this game sits for me. And so this this is the type of game that I am probably I would play at home with my wife to get an extra couple plays in. And I just don't want to have to deal with it. I don't want to have to deal with reading it. Like I hear the rule books like 30 pages or something stupid. It's, you know? it's 35, but it's, that's it, what I'm saying. Like, but there a is like a big old solo section. Regardless, so. it it there's just mm, that's the problem with something like this. And that just you describing it, it sounds like a game I would probably enjoy because I enjoy that kind of like timing tension as, I, as I'm going to start probably refer to it as is when do you start making your moves before mm-hmm. other people? And that, that whole tension is like, don't take my spot until I do this. I'm, I am, I'm curious and I, maybe I missed it. How do you advance your dice up? Is it by playing the card, it becomes that particular pip number? Nope. Um, you start with one, two, three, and you earn you earn pip tokens throughout the game that you can then at any point spend to increase your die. You know what that reminds me of? Yeah, I do know what it reminds you <laughs> yeah, of. What, what game does it remind me of? Teotihuacan. There you go. It does remind me of that a little so bit. So if you are interested in Teotihuacan, <laughs> but you think it's too fiddly because you're constantly moving your dice around, you might enjoy Butoku. I mean, maybe. slightly less fiddly. <laughs> So is the theme is the theme strong in it? It doesn't seem like the theme's strong. No, but could, maybe it, it, it's 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 well done as far as the artwork and like the terminology within the game. You, yeah. you know, it's it it shines through, but like in the mechanics and it could be any theme. It wouldn't really change the. Uh, I mean, the path is it kind of has a little um, Takedo where you go down this path. Although it's totally different, but it just kind of reminded me of that because of the Japanese theme and the going down this path and stopping at various places. But that's like one small section of the board. 
The other thing that I kind of kind of pushed me away slightly is it seemed like really long. When you sat down to play it, you guys, the teach was at least half hour, 45 minutes. Probably. And yeah. then on top of that, it was gameplay and it was a four player game. And you guys, you guys took at least two and a half hours to play that game. That's fair. And three, but three of us were learning the game. So I think it took, I wouldn't be quite as long. It didn't feel that long to me. The turns were fairly quick. You're not doing a whole ton on your turn. So it did breeze along. You you get to play throughout the game. You get three cards that you can play, three dice that you can play, and then the option of moving three dice into the across the river. So at most, you'll get nine actions each turn mm-hmm. or each round, I should say. You know, and there's four of those. So that's quite a bit. But so it moved pretty briskly, even though it was definitely longer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I didn't feel like it felt too long, and that was with a four-player game. I do think you'll enjoy the game. I think it's totally up your alley. It's gonna, it's, it's nothing. There's nothing in it that's totally new or innovative. Although the, the unlocking the cards to be able to play the dice feels a little different, as you each of these four sections also has a track that you move up. First highest one there gets the most points. There's just a lot of different ways. It's very point salad-y. You can get points by doing a lot of different things, and you can specialize and get a lot of points that way. There's just a lot you can do within the game. So that's part of why it feels so overwhelming and why the, the rule book is so long. It does say in the rule book that uh, they recommend watching the video of how to play. <laughs> I mean, And they do have a um, uh, nice player aid, which was really nice. And it says, then when you invite your friends and explain to them how the game works, do so by handing over the player aids <laughs> so they can follow along. Is it punishing in any way? Is there like punishing no. moments? Um, only if somebody like takes a spot that you wanted to go to or uses a six die. So now you can't go to that spot because you don't have any pips saved up. Um, By the end, I had collected quite a few pips. In fact, I didn't even spend them all. So I liked that. I was, um, I would, I felt like I was doing really good in the game. You know, I felt like I was moving along and and doing well. There's this also this um, opportunity where at the end of each round, you can take a card and remove it from your deck and score that card for the points at the bottom and the cards you start off with they're not very good cards and they're only worth three points so you want to you go ahead and get rid of it so you can score three points for that card and then the cards that you collect throughout the game they can score you up to like 12 15 points so then you've got this like decision okay they'll, they'll score you points based on things you've already done in the game so you're like okay like maybe like two or three points per whatever you've done so you're like, okay, I could score this now and get nine points, which is more than three, but it's a good card. I like it. If I hold on to it for another round, I can get the max of 12 points out of it. So should I hold on to it? But I can get other cards. I'm not going to, you only get to do that four times throughout the game. So you, it's got that nice decision between like, what card are you going to get rid of and score? And I like that as well. So it's got a lot of different things going on. It sounds like a game I would like. I agree. Based on your description, how you're how you're talking about it, it sounds like a game I would enjoy. Um, it's also not a game I'm gonna go to pursue to try to like I, either a purchase or you know s- you know force somebody to teach it to me. Like if it if something's going on, then I'll probably play it. But it just I don't know. Like I said, it just kind of unfortunately just fall. And I think part of it is I've had a couple friends say yeah, like the game's fine. I don't know. I'll I probably like get, I'll give it a I go. Was, I think I was surprised. I think you'll I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. I think you should have somebody teach it to you. Um it is overproduced. Some of the pieces are ridiculously overproduced. Um but it's beautiful. 
it feels nice to play and um it's by devere and they it's a it's a big size box but it's slightly smaller than like a ticket to ride size box and the whole thing is full like once it's filled it's heavy it's completely full there's no extra space so i really like how they use the entire box like you're getting a lot of game within that box like shem phillips games yeah yeah it's probably about that same size box yeah so i like that i mean i think it's beautiful just the artwork makes you want to play it you know and it's got enough decisions and enough interesting things going on like i want to play it again you know and and so yeah i really like it i'm i'm giving it an eight. Ooh, that is actually higher than i would have expected yeah if you're giving the game an eight i feel like i gotta try it now but i mean i i get why people say it's fine there is nothing especially innovative with it it it's really just a combination of a lot of common mechanisms which makes it for board gamers easy to learn it's not near as complicated as it looks it's not it's not difficult to figure out a strategy, you know, it's, you know, you'll, you'll see as the game goes along that things run out. Okay. I want to focus on that because that ran out. But even when things run out, you're like, okay, I'll just do other things that are really good. You know, and it kind of has this nice build up, and by the end you feel like you've accomplished a lot, but not everything. So you, you've got to kind of pick and choose what you want to, how you want to score. So who's this game for? Um, this is for, I mean, it's really for me, like people like me, like if you like heavier, like midweight to heavy euros. So you don't want a super heavy one that's like so confusing and feels punishing and is difficult to learn, difficult to master. But you want something big and beautiful to look at. You don't mind putting a little investment into learning the game. You know, if you, especially if you're going to learn on your own, although I definitely would recommend not reading the rule book. I would recommend the rule book as a reference guide. Go to YouTube, watch it that way. <laughs> I think that's but just you in general, though, honestly. <laughs> but that's what I say about everything, yeah. Right. I did yeah. learn... No, that's a lie. I was going to say, I did learn Earth on my own, but I that's a lie. And, I watched the And YouTube they determined video. that that was a lie. <laughs> I watched the YouTube video, <laughs> and then I got oh. the rule book out. And Earth oh. is like, I don't know, like a five or six page rule book. It's not. I mean, it has a lot of pictures it's pretty, in it. Yeah, but. it's pretty light, yeah. So, I mean, if you, I think if you like, like, point salad games where you get to just do a lot, kind of invest a lot, you kind of choose which one you want to go, like games that offer different types of strategy, you know, I think it's, I think it's overall a really well-designed, solid game. I don't know why it's gotten um, such mediocre reviews. I think it's, I think it may be because of how beautiful it looks, maybe because it's not terribly innovative it, I mean, it certainly understand that it's not for everybody but overall i really liked it and i highly recommend it that is butoku all right next up we are going to talk about planet b this is a worker placement election game designed by johannes natterer and art is by actually quite a few people and it is published by z-man games in the states In this game, players are corrupt governors on our new planet vying to have the most government money at the end of the game. Players will be activating action cards uh, in this game, which is referred to as making a deal to take different actions within the game. Each action card has both a positive side, which will lift your public image, or a negative side, which will drop your public image because you're making some shady deals. The different actions that you can take are production, which is going to generate you the different resources in the game, Build, which will allow you to build the different building cards that you'll get throughout the game. You can take worky actions. This lets players use the two different types of workers in the game, crafties and brainies, to activate the different buildings in their tableau. 
The faction action, which moves players up the three different faction tracks, or you can activate the track, gaining the benefits but dropping them all the way back down. You can play a news card. These are events in the game, and they will determine if you're moral or immoral, which will affect different things throughout the game. You can add votes to the bag of votes. You can buy a swindle tile, which will help you in the election. And finally, uh, progress the election either forwards or backwards. So let's talk about the election. As, so as players are taking actions, eventually they'll take up all the spaces within an action card. This will trigger the action card to either flip to its other side or be removed and a new card added. This will also progress the election track. And when an election is triggered, players will be drawing votes out of a bag. Typically, players are going to be drawing three at a time, but they could draw more based on the swindle tiles that they have bought. So who wins an election? Well, in this game, players are going to be going around drawing the votes out of the bag, and the winner is going to be the player who's collected the most of their own votes. They get the president tile, and now they will benefit from this until the next election. But the problem is they need to remove all their votes from the pool of votes, and they will need to build them back up again if they want to win the next election. The next most will win, the next most will be vice president, and they have to remove both theirs and the president votes from the pool in the bag. Third place is the llama, and the last player is the dodo. <laughs> Winning elections can score you lots of points, but it doesn't mean you'll necessarily be the winner. Players will continue taking actions until they've gone through the action cards, triggering the end of the game, and the player who has the most points wins. So this is a fairly basic overview for the game, but I think what makes this game interesting is it's really like very tongue-in-cheek how the game like kind of comes together with its theme and its artwork. And it's one of those games that you have to ha- it almost feels like you have to have the, like the right group of players in order to play this game and have fun. It's a little dark. The theme is a little dark. Like it's quirky and and um like makes fun of politics a lot, but also like dark, but not like dark like you feel kind of sad afterwards, like dark and fun. Like all the yes. good parts of the dark that you like, but none without the making you sad part. Like you can build a cruise ship for your people and they'll love you, but you're evil for doing it. I, I just love those little like, oh, I just, this game. Okay. I have so many opinions about this game. It's I, so I, different. I, I clearly you do. Okay. Let's hear them. Let's, so what you different. Got? First of all, this game has the most egregious offensive terminology I have ever heard in my entire life workies it's got workies which are there's two types of workies which are workers meeple worker meeples there's crafties and brainies brainies i hate it and then their money (laughs) is called billies it is and i'm pretty sure there's another one that ends with ie and i just hate it like why like why do you hate it so much stand it i don't know like i don't i don't like like baby talk it's kind of reminds me of baby talk oh yeah i guess i can see that but it's i don't know this game this like you said this game just does it's dark and it it takes the idea that like we will as a society we will always have corrupt corrupt government you know it takes this Mm -hmm. idea that like people are always out for themselves and it'll never change it's not the future that star trek has has envisioned for us it's definitely like we're going to go More to a new real- planet and start all over, but we're going to make all the same mistakes that we made the first time around, but done very tongue in cheek in, in a fun way. 
So if you go to the description of Board Game Geek, it's like, okay, it says, at some point in the not-so-distant future, we humans had to look for a new place to live. Just when we thought we would have to settle for Mars, we suddenly discovered a new planet, one we lovingly christened Planet B. It was a second chance to humanity, and of course, we've, we were determined to do everything right this time because, as everyone knows, we humans learn very well from our mistakes. <laughs> like, that description just notes the overall tone of this game. You yeah. know, it really does. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the election. Yes, the election. This election is, it's kind of uh, going to be like area control, right? You, like, throughout the game, throughout the round, you're 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 doing things that get you more votes into the bag. You want to have the most votes in there so that you can get elected. And everyone goes around and draws three tiles until everything is out of the bag. So yep. you can, you can fill the bag up, which happened to Bob. Like, he literally put all of his votes in there. Nothing left, and he still didn't win the election, even though Jeremy had less votes in there. He still won the election because Jeremy yep. drew more of his tiles. So I don't like um, area control. So I I really liked the way that the election worked, where it wasn't about who had the most votes in the bag. You There was also this like randomness to it where it was 100% random where you're drawing things out of the bag, hoping that you're drawing your own votes. So it took this like pretty long, I wouldn't say heavy game, but definitely meaty game. And it and it added this like total randomness to it. Now, obviously, you can um, mitigate your luck by having more votes in there. And that really does help you the more votes you have. And then the way that they get removed if you win, you know, it's so it kind of circles around. We all got to be president at least once. You know, so I liked it. And I think a lot of people will probably not like that. But I did enjoy it. The randomness of the bag draw. I agree. I think that's going to be the polarizing thing of this game for a lot of people. Because, Mm -hmm. yes, I had every single one of my vote tiles in that bag. I even, so those swindle tiles that you can buy, they affect the your draws and the number of votes you have in front of you for each election. So there's four different swindle tiles. Or there's two different swindle tiles and you can get two of each. One of them is just an extra vote that sits in front of you. And then the second one you can get is drawing additional votes. So mm-hmm. you can draw up to five votes and you already can automatically start off with having two votes in front of you. So I I did it in such a way where I started off with two votes in front of me and I drew and I got it so I could draw an extra one. So I was drawing four and I still lost. Yeah. But, but... I don't think it mattered. That did feel somewhat like, ugh, like I set myself up to win and I didn't. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was literally luck of the draw. But at the end of the day, it didn't matter because I lost by like 60 some points or whatever. Like I had to, one of my buildings allowed me to score a hundred points in this game. No joke. You were able, to, I was able to score a hundred points. Had I not done that, I would have lost by like 150. It was gross. <laughs> yeah. It was gross. To be fair, it was like a 400-point game. So there was a lot of points there. So I really liked that part of the election because, like I said, I don't enjoy area majority. Like, everyone's throwing things in the bag. Okay, I'll I'll go heavy in this and I'll throw a bunch of things. Well, then everybody else will go heavy and they'll outdo me. I don't like that part of area majority. So I liked that I could ignore it. I decided, you know, if the opportunity comes, I will try to get votes, but that's not going to be my priority. I got president one time. And it was super fun when you're president because you get to make all these laws that are super cool. 
which um, I didn't talk about in the over review, but yeah, yeah, it's, they're that's just really better. fun. You just random yeah. if you're good, you draw from the good pile. If you're bad, you draw from the bad pile, and then you you, you get a law comes up and you get to vote, and you get a benefit, and everybody else gets a benefit, lesser benefit from it. So it's it's just kind of fun to be the president. But I was only president once, and I still won the game, so it was not like the most important thing to do, you know. So I liked that. I think you could win the game by focusing on being president a yes. lot. Yep. But you don't have to. So I, 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 I thought it made. I like area control where it's got a little randomness to it, where I can, I don't have to be the biggest, baddest person to win it. You know, I can have other types yep. of strategies, and I like that about it. I do like in this game that you're, you're, you're balancing your being either like moral, immoral, corrupt, not corrupt. So you're balancing all these different things. So like as you're taking actions, there's the positive side and there's the negative side. So in the start, there's three locations you can go and place your a suitcase is your worker, I guess, to take your action. But you put a suitcase down. The positive side increases your view in the public, which will affect elections, which will give you more votes and it'll give you money and stuff like that. You get funding and you get votes. And then, you know, negative in the public eye, you lose workers and, and stuff like that. Or your your opponents can put, you know, additional votes in the bag, that sort of thing. And you're and you're managing all that at with these action cards. Cause once you fill up a spot, if it's if it was on its starting side, it flips. And then now you have, so if it was on the positive side, it flips to the negative side. So it gives you some better actions, but it's gonna move you negatively on that track. So mm-hmm. you're you're trying to manage that. And then with the event cards, the news cards, you can, by doing certain things, you can get some cool benefits, but now you're immoral. So now whenever you're present, you're t- doing, making immoral choices on your, you know, laws or when you trigger the end, you know, when you trigger the flipping of the action card, now instead of getting money, you're going to get something else or you're going to get money instead of, you know, votes in a bag, that sort of thing. So you're constantly trying to manage how the public views you, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to have that decision. Oh, I guess I'll take this news article, which um, now makes me a bad person. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and In it the public changes, eye, yep. like, yeah, it's just, it's just funny. And, and the buildings are all really funny. So you build a building, it costs money, you get victory points for building it, and then you can send your workers out to the building to activate them, which also gives you money and each building has two choices, like one's better than the other. Usually some will give you money, some will give you victory points. You have to some, you know, a lot of them require you to spend these resources that you earn throughout the game. It's just it's just fun. Like I think overall it's a pretty basic worker placement game, but what really makes it fun is the the quirky theme and then the the election. There's just it's just I mean, the election's fun. If it doesn't go your way, like it's it's just it's just exciting to draw it out of the bag and do that. So it, the one game we played, it was you, me, and Jeremy, and we were all having fun drawing the votes out of the bag. Yeah. We were all like hooting and hollering and just like, Jeremy, that jerk, drew all of mine at the very end so I couldn't win president. And it's like, dude, I have all the votes in there. Like, quit drawing my votes. Yeah. Bro, quit drawing my votes. So it, tur- it turns that election process kind of differently. Like, you're you're trying to sway it. You're still corrupt and you're trying to sway it in your favor. It's just an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, with the, the buildings are, are kind of interesting. I like the, the back and forth flipping of those action cards, but yes, as you say, like the game for the most part, 
there's nothing earth shattering with the mechanics. It's basic, you know. Basic worker placement. It shops at Bed Bath and Beyond. Like <laughs> get buys scented candles. It has live laugh love in its house. He's <laughs> drinking a pumpkin spice latte. Yeah, but it's having fall. a good time. And but it's, you know, yeah. but it's a little. It's guy. living its best life is what it's doing. It's but living its, its best guy. life. They got black nail polish, <laughs> some eyeliner on. It's a little goth with a theme, I think. Oh man, did we just offend somebody? Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, some negatives here. We played it the three player only. I think it's probably be best at four. However, it would be even it would be pretty long because each action you do like three or four unique things in your turn. So each action is long. So at three, it was good. It it was fun. It didn't feel too long. I think it would have been better at four because you get the dodo player. So there's just a little bit, it's more interesting with the president and the dodo, but, but it would make it a lot longer to have that extra person. And that's my only complaint, I think, but I think overall, like, and I don't know how much the humor is going to be funny three or four or eight plays in, but I don't think it's a game that I'll play a ton, you know? So I think the humor will always kind of feel fresh because it's going to be best at four and it's going to be longest at four. So I don't know that it's going to be a you it'll probably be a game you'd get out like a couple times a year and play and have a lot of fun with. You know, and that might be the end of it. it and it's pricey for what you're, you know, for that. Uh, that's one of the things I wanted to mention was the price. It's it's MSRP in the states is $80. So for us, it it's it's an expensive game for what you get component-wise and for what you get like gameplay-wise as awful as that sounds cuz you you equate value of game to what you get and it just i don't know if it's worth that amount personally and like you said it's i don't want to say the game is forgettable because i don't think it is we had a really good time playing it but i also i'm also not like all right let's play it again like i'm good i'm good until like we we have a weekend where you know there's 12 of us just hanging around playing games all day long or all weekend long and somebody's like, hey, do you want to play this game? Like, yes, let's bust it out. It'd be a good one to play at cons because it's yes. long. You know, yep. I I think I, I totally recommend this game. I like it a lot. You know, you just got to know what you're getting into if you decide to purchase it, I think. Well, what are you going to rate it? I'm getting it. I'm giving it a nine. I had a lot of fun playing it. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming in at a seven. I thought it was good. I thought it, I had fun with it. The biggest thing is replayability. How often am I going to want to continue going back and playing it? That's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not one of those games I'm just like, oh, my God, I, I want to play this game again. Like, I'm chomping at the bit to play it. I, I had fun. It was a cool game. And I will play it again at some point and have fun with it again. But it was it was a fun experience. But I don't know how much staying power it's going to have. Yeah, I don't know how much I'll get it played because I don't know how much you guys will play it with me. You know, and I think Jeremy will probably be the only one to own it because it is a pricey game. But um, I'll I'll try to get it played maybe at some cons and stuff because I really enjoyed it. I thought the theme was really unique and I liked the dark humor in it and I liked the, the randomness of the draw. Like it just it just made it even more fun. Overall, I, I really liked it. You should check out our Instagram and Facebook when uh, for the pictures that we're posting for this particular episode. There's some in, you'll you'll get the overall vibe from looking at those pictures. Yeah, yeah. There's some funny cards in there too. There, yeah. There's like I said, it doesn't it. It's a very interesting theme, that's for sure. But who is this game for? 
if you like those kind of interesting theme kinds of games, if you enjoy the like worker placement kind of fun aspect of the randomness of the vote and sort of thing like that, if you enjoy that that type of thing, I think you're gonna I think you're gonna like this game. I do think it's it's gonna be group dependent. There's gonna be groups that are gonna have fun with this, and there's groups that are gonna absolutely hate it. We had fun with it. Mm-hmm. You know, our group that we played it with, we had fun. I don't think you can go into this game and go, I'm going to develop this strategy and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to win and then get upset if you don't win. Like you're not going to have a good time. You know, you just need to know this is you you should go into it for the good time and and to to hoot and holler and tease each other and, and, and laugh at the theme. Yeah, I agree. All right. So that is Planet B. We are actually going to take a quick break, and then when we're going to come back, we are going to go ahead and dive into our hobbies outside of board gaming. All right, welcome back. We are now going to be getting into our discussion topic, which is slightly unboard game related, I suppose. So we had an email, and we were asked, hey, what are your hobbies outside of board gaming? So we kind of wanted to just kind of chat about the things that Natasha and I like that are outside of the board board gaming or nerd hobby, I guess. Although a lot of my stuff is probably going to be nerd adjacent, you know? <laughs> so like... Do you have any non-nerd hobbies, Bob? Oh, man. You know what? The, the funny thing is, I think I do. There's a couple things that I like that are outside of the normal nerd stuff, I guess. So, but yeah, it's it's probably a lot of nerd stuff. Um. <laughs> All right, so what do we like to do outside of board gaming? I think uh, one of the things that we both enjoy is reading, right? Well, listening to audiobooks, yes. <laughs> oh, man, that's never going to get old. Yeah. Uh, so me that pers- reading, by the way. <laughs> that's consuming a book, yes. Um, it's Words matter. Uh, so I enjoy reading books, and Natasha enjoys listening to books. So that's that's clearly a hobby we both have. I mean, to be fair, I do enjoy reading books as well. It's just easier for me to find the time to to listen to them. Although I, I do think sometimes audiobooks are better. But anyways, continue. It depends on the reader. So there yeah. are I do I do have some I do listen to some audiobooks. It's not nearly to the frequency that you do, but there are certain readers that I'm just like, no, I just cannot listen to them. Yeah. That's that's fair. It's definitely like a it's it's a skill set. They're I mean they're actors really is what they are. If they're not right. actors, yep. they're not good audiobook readers. Correct. Um. So let's go into. We, obviously, we both like reading, so we you know we don't need to necessarily dive too much into that. But and watching TV and movies. It's <laughs> we don't need to talk about that. But that's Honestly, uh, funny enough, I don't watch a lot of. I guess I don't lo- watch a lot of TV. I want to watch. If that makes sense, more often than not, when my family's watching TV, I'll be reading. You know, I'll put in like my headphones, turn the noise cancellation on, and just kind of read my book. There, the be there with them, so you're all spending time together. Yeah, be present, and then just kind of consume my own stuff. I mean, um, is that pr- present? So it depends on how you look at it, but one time. Um, I was trying to hang out with my daughter and she's like, mom, we just hung out last night. I said, we hung out last night. She's like, yeah, we were vibing together. And I was like, we were vibing together. And she's like, yeah, like you were in your room and I was in my room. And we were vibing. And I'm like, 
no, I didn't realize we were vibing together. That doesn't count as spending time together. I said, I don't mind if we're in the same room and we're each doing our own thing. Like if, you know, you're watching a show and I'm listening to a book or vice versa, you know, we don't have to like be actively working on the same thing. But I think we need to be in the same room to be vibing. Don't you think? I, man, you know what? There are times when people will say something and I will just feel old. And if my, like, at some point when my children come to me and be like, yeah, yeah, dad, we were vibing, I'm going to be like, man, I, I'm old, right? Like, I'm old. And I hate that. The, today, at, today at work, I was talking to my, one of my employees and I was just like, I said, I was like, you know, back when, back in my day, or I made some sort of like reference, like back then, and I was like, saying that makes me sound so old. And she's like, she's like, but. Bob, you are. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just, I mean, I'm turning 40 this year. I'm not that old. And she's like, yeah, you kind of are. And I was offended. <laughs> I'm like, really? See, I got all the, I, that's why everyone thinks I'm so young. Cause I use all the, like the, the cool lingo. No, nobody like, thinks you you're young. Nobody Who chills thinks you're anymore. Young? Who thinks you're young? People do. I bet you they all do. That, that's why you don't chill anymore. You vibe. Even oh the teachers my. say that. The teachers said you, that. Do you know me. how? Do you know how awkward you sound saying that you don't chill, you vibe? Like you just saying it sounded awkward. Like I it doesn't even sound. Right. You know, we digress. Um, let's let's bring this back. Let's talk about hobbies that we we uh, we do outside of board game. You, you why don't you bring something up? Like what do you do that's not board game related? Ooh, I play softball. I started a couple years ago on a on a co-ed um, rec league and. Um, it's been really fun. Now I manage the team because the guy who started it up had left us and I manage that, which is his own, not really its own hobby, but whatever. Um, so I, we do a lot of practices, which I think are fun. And then we've been playing. I used to play in middle school and little league, but, um, I quit before I got into high school because I didn't think I was good enough. But now going back as an adult, I kind of feel silly forever quitting. I'm not. I'm not any good. Don't get me wrong. I'm still not any good. But I've been practicing a lot. I play a lot, and I practice with my daughter a lot. And I've gotten okay. Like I can hit consistently. You know, I'm. I'm. I can catch better now. My throws are still terrible. I can't throw from one base to another. But you know, I'm working on it. You're. You playing softball did um, bring up one of the funnier stories that you've told me about how you were against the team and you lost. Like you got mercyed or whatever, and you're just they're just like, We have the diamond for another, you know, forty five minutes. Do you want to play again? And you're like, Yeah, and you went to your team, and you're like, Yeah, let's just keep playing. And they're like, Nah, I don't think I want to. And then you just like got mad and you're like, Fine, we'll never get better, and just like storms off. <laughs> I had a full on adult temper tantrum. <laughs> I was so mad. Oh my god. Cause I was like, Hey, oh man, you guys that I, I asked them, I said, Hey, you guys want to just keep playing because you you get an hour to play if you get mercy then you're just done that sucks and they're like no i don't want to they suck i'm like well we'll get better if we keep playing like let's play against this good team and they were just all not interested and then i got really mad stomped away i grabbed my bat i grabbed my bat in a huff and i was like fine i guess we won't get any better then in a huff oh my god Oh, I, that's so like, funny. I, I know that I'm super competitive. I understand that. But I really don't care if I lose softball. Like I try to win. Like it, it, The fun is in the trying to win, right? Especially if it's close. It's thrilling. I love that. 
But I really don't care if we lose. I just want us to not get mercyed so that we can play a full hour. That's all I want. And then I want to have lots of practices and people show up to practice so that I can play more. That's all I want. I suppose that's fair. I can jive with that, I guess. <laughs> Adult temper tantrum. That's so funny. <laughs> uh, we've all done it, though. That's the thing. Everyone's just like, oh, my God, I can't believe she done it. Well, you, I usually you've probably don't. done it. You've probably I, done it. I almost always hold my tongue, as far as I know. Like, I mean, I have said things that are cringy, but like I don't realize it. Like, I don't intentionally say it that way. But I almost always hold my tongue and don't get sassy with people. But um, <laughs> I would like to see that side of you. The non-sassy <laughs> side. <laughs> well, you, it's different. Plus, yeah, playing fair. board games is different. Uh, I treat you yeah. differently than I treat like normal people in my life. I suppose that's fair. I'm cool with that. You can treat me differently, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bob, what's a hobby of yours? That's not, do you have one that's not a nerd? Uh, or you can just start with a nerd one. That's fine. Well, I do like sports, so I will say this: I do enjoy sports. I'm a, um, I really enjoy football, uh, college like football. It? Yep, I enjoy college watching college football. I enjoy you know the NFL for the most part. Uh, we're based in Michigan, so I'm a Detroit Lions fan. So I'm I'm used to losing for years upon years upon years, which is always kind of interesting because I've always enjoyed sports. Like I less so now. I'm less in like invested in sports now than I was probably 10, 15 years ago, like mm-hmm. 10, 15 years ago. Like I knew, you know, I watched hockey. I watched baseball. I watched basketball. I watched it all. I do like college basketball. I don't like the NBA. So it's always kind of interesting because I have friends that I like BS with sports about. And then they're just like, I can't believe you're like a nerd and you do like, you like board games and D and D. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm, I'm sports like, analysis is so nerdy. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I just kind of enjoy it. And then my like nerd friends who play me and they're like, I can't believe you like sports. Is your sporting squadron having a match this weekend? I'm like, <laughs> shut it. Like, It's all just a different form of nerd. Yeah, I don't fit in in either, either way. And the thing is, when you talk about like fantasy football, fantasy baseball, any like fantasy type league stuff, the mm-hmm. amount of deep dive analysis people do is 100% nerdy. So I would say that's probably my biggest non-nerd thing is I enjoy sports. I enjoy watching sports like live. I'm not into it. I don't follow teams. I don't have a favorite team or anything, but I enjoy watching live sports. I think that's a lot of fun, especially women's softball. I think that's pretty much the best sport, but I don't really watch much softball actually. So I just never got really got into softball. You like baseball? I did for a while and the game slowed down so much that I just start I just start becoming too much and like this year is kind of interesting the pitchers have like a pitch clock and they have devices that they can communicate pitches to the catcher can to the to the pitcher so I like that like that aspect of it so I'm a, I'm watching it a little bit but not like they're just too long you know and I just mm-hmm. I would much rather do other things than sit and watch an entire baseball game I'll take my family to baseball games sometimes but for the most yeah. part I just I like yeah. seeing them live I don't watch them on TV We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so that is probably my least nerdy thing that I enjoy is sports. So just like uh, you with your softball thing. Who would have known? Yeah, right? <sighs> That's the thing. I can, I can BS about anything with anybody. That is my, that is my talent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, having yeah. sports knowledge is a very useful social skill. Yeah, I can't golf, so I might as well be able to talk about sports. So there mm-hmm. you have it. Business meetings, right? All right, so what yeah. else you got? 
Okay. Um, not nerd related. I like to garden. I really enjoy doing landscaping in my yard. Um, I don't do vegetable garden because I, I don't enjoy it that much. Like I like, I like getting out in the springtime and cleaning up my beds and replanting all my flowers and putting out annuals. Um, I just enjoy having a really beautiful landscape. Um, so that, but that's my favorite. I don't, I'm not really into decorating the house and the inside or anything. You know, I, I, I like to do it and just be done with it. I don't, I don't like not into it like a lot of people are, but, but I am into flowers and I dig up a lot and replant them and. You have a nice garden, actually. You have a really nice garden. Thank you. I put a lot of work into it, and I think it's really fun. And I look forward to like barking, putting new bark out every spring, and and you know, doing my nice edging. And uh, I just like it. It's fun. Mm, I'm not gonna say it's fun, but I'm gonna disagree with you on that one. But that's besides the point. I like the finished product. It's very satisfying. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a big fan of gardening. I don't like. I don't like lawn maintenance. My wife loves gardening and she loves lo- like yard maintenance. So I just I just leave all that to her. You can do it. I'll do the construction in the house. You do that. You do that stuff. <laughs> yeah, my husband hates it too. So, he, but he does uh, mow the lawn because I don't like mowing the lawn. So he does that, and I take care of all the landscaping. And- so we have a riding lawnmower, so it's actually kind of fun. So it, she does it probably ninety percent of the time, and I'm probably like ten. So more often than not, she's doing it. All right, Bob, you're up. Okay. Uh, outside of man, to to at this point, I don't think I have anything else that I can say that's not nerd adjacent <laughs> in some way. Um, I like Lego, so I'm an I'm an adult Lego fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know as a kid, I grew up you know putting together Legos, and I always loved it. And now as an adult, I have adult money, and I can buy like sets that I never thought I could buy. So I do do some Lego collecting. I do I dabble in the whole Lego investment kind of deal. Like I do have Ooh. sets that I keep for investment purposes. Like you don't open them? Right. I just keep them sealed to sell at a later time once it's discontinued. Um I don't wow. know, man. That's why I say don't that's why I told you don't get rid of your Lego. Give it to me. You can you can sell pounds of Lego for a lot of money. And so, like some of I those have retired stuff, I'm. T- I'll take it. I have a dresser full of Legos. I like will come to your house. Full. I'll come to your house with my Santa bag, and I'll fill it, and I'll take all your Lego off your hand, off your hands, like legit. I mean, I have I have dresser drawers full of Legos that are not built. Like I also have things that are built and out on display. See that, and you've been in my. You've been in my. Um, game room or whatever i have a ton of lego sets built and just kind of displayed mm-hmm. mostly star wars but i have some other stuff do you do any of your like own building like on your own instead of like with a kit um, like all those pieces that you collect uh not exactly i don't like the kids do and i'll do it with the kids from time to time when uh when they ask me to but like i do a different kind so to to segue into another hobby that i have so to take away from you for a second and talk about two back to back, I okay. make uh they're gonna be basically like castles, but they're made out of a hydro stone and not so like think plaster of Paris, but a much higher hardness. So plaster of Paris is only like a couple thousand psi. I'm talking like twenty thousand psi. Um, okay, it's called dental stone. I get it from a dental manufacturer, and the molds that I get are from Hearst Molds. There, it's H. I R S T. I first saw it at Gen Con. One of the first times I went to Gen Con 
you basically pour the plaster into the mold, you scrape it, and then you're going to get blocks. And with those blocks, you can kind of put them together and you can build castles with them. And then so you paint them and then you can do different things. I have some of those displayed. It's very That's a very time-consuming hobby because it takes a long time to cast all the pieces you need to make something. So that that tends to be a very long process. So do you buy you buy the molds then? And the molds like have different shapes? Well, the molds will make a variety of um make a variety of different kinds of stones or different kinds of pieces. Think of them like bricks, but then you can have like decorative pieces and everything. So So do you have to like let one settle like let one dry and then build another one one brick at a time? Uh, it's no, you, you, when you cast a mold, you're going to get probably like a dozen bricks mm-hmm. out of it. I would say it depends on the mold. Some molds are like accessory molds where you can get like column columns and pillars and different things like that. Uh, but her starts is if you go to that website, that's what I use. Like each mold, I 30 some bucks or whatever. And then you can, I've casted some of those things hundreds and hundreds of times. So they, they stand up quite a bit. It's a silicone mold. And yeah, you just pull them out. I I have a system, like I have a food dehydrator specifically to dry them out faster than just letting them sit out. Like I have a whole system for it, but it is time consuming. It's a time consuming process, putting all, casting all the pieces, gluing them all together and then painting it. But yeah, it's, I enjoy it. It's one of, it's, it's a long process, but I, I do enjoy doing that. So that's my, I don't necessarily build Lego. I do it that way. You make your own Lego pieces. Kinda. But they're not Lego. Check our Instagram. Check our Facebook page. Uh, we'll have pictures of the molds of what I'm talking about, and maybe even a picture of something I've built, so you can see what it looks like. Just don't judge me because I'm not great at it. All right. <laughs> it's not about how good it's doing. It's about having fun. But, yeah. All right. So what else? What else do you like? Um, I got into painting for a little bit, so I'm not. I don't consider myself creative at all. I cannot come up with anything unique or artistic at all but i did go to a um wine and canvas night for a bachelorette party and we did a painting and it was so fun i really really enjoyed it and my painting turned out like fine like i was like this is pretty good like i can do this i can follow direction i don't know how to paint but i can follow direction and i'll teach you so then i started uh watching youtube videos and um they've got a lot out there that are like great paintings for beginners or like especially the abstract ones are really good because i Mm -hmm. can do those and I can follow them step by step. So I got into that. And then that kind of morphed into um, miniature painting. I took a miniature class and I was miniature painting class. And I was like, oh, I can actually do this. So now I paint paint some of my board gaming minis. Um, that's super nerdy board game related. But but I do enjoy that. I, I do that a lot in the winter time. When, that's tend to when I have extra time. I like the, the minis. It's fun because you could pour a little bit of paint out and you just do a little bit of painting. And then when you're done. Because you're not opening up all your paints and you're not pouring them all out. You can just paint like a little bit and walk away from it. And so it's a really nice, fun hobby where you can you could do it like a half an hour every night. You could do it just once a week. It's just really easy providing you have the space for your paints to, you know, sit out and whatnot. But even if you don't, you just get them out, paint a, paint a little bit, paint a couple minis. Like maybe just do your base coat on all of them or paint one mini you know, however you want to do it, it's really nice because you can kind of come and go however you want. And I, I've been enjoying that. I've been doing that now for probably a couple of years now. And I think I'll keep doing that. I, I really enjoy that, especially in the wintertime because uh, 
can't really do anything else. I did ski this winter and I hadn't skied in a long time. Um, so maybe I'll get into that a little bit, but I don't think I'll do that regularly. You don't think the skiing thing is not a thing you're going to do? My kids really like it, so maybe. But it's just a, it's kind of a big thing, right? You get to spend the whole day. It's expensive, you know, so you want to make sure you're out there the whole day. It's just a kind of a bigger thing to do. But I am in Michigan, so it's, you know, it's pretty easy to ski in the wintertime. Yeah. When you talked about painting minis, like that, you, you painting minis kind of inspired me to learn how to paint minis a little bit because you kept talking about how easy it is. And we actually did a discussion topic, episode 38 which we talk about painting minis and how it's actually not as difficult as what it really seems like. Mm-hmm. Like I th- most people I think can do it. Yeah. The people that do it really well, like they obviously have a lot of artistic talent and, and I don't want to diminish their talent because it, they're very, very good. And you're not going to be like that if you're not used to painting and artistic, but you don't have to paint minis like them. You can paint minis very simply, very, um, easy with just a few techniques and they can look so much better than non-painted minis it's not going to look like the artistic version of them but they still look really good yeah i think like i'm i don't consider myself a very good painter either and i'm actually really happy with how the 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 minis i've done have turned out you know specifically like i'm you know painting blood rage and stuff like that like it's just they've turned out better than i would have expected and it's not as difficult of a process and I think we even talked about like there's the those uh, paint night kits, the D and D paint night kits. You can get a, a miniature, and then you get a bunch of paints that you can use in a br- couple brushes. And there's even YouTube tutorials where they go through all the process, so it makes it very easy and simple to follow along, and it teaches you the basics of what you need. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, I think I think a lot of people can paint minis. They just it's it's one of those fear things that they need to get over. It, it, yeah, anybody can do it. I totally believe that. All right, so that's uh, that is our some of our hobbies that we have outside of board gaming. I say outside of board gaming, but I mean painting minis is kind of board game related, I guess. And I don't know, like nerd adjacent. Like I said, sure. nerd adjacent. My stuff is nerd adjacent, but that's yeah. that's some of the things we like to do. Yeah. All right, that's our show for this week. Thanks for listening to our shenanigans. Join us next week. Please leave us a review and check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Send us your questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. See you next week.